We have been using the term VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, to describe a challenging and uncertain environment for decades. I believe we have entered a new phase where VUCA has been turbocharged, but unless we adapt, we will struggle to navigate through it. And there is two reasons for that. The first is a new challenge we're facing. Information overflow is leading to choice fatigue. In an ethnographic study, we were speaking to a respondent who was telling us how he spends many nights flipping through the options on Netflix and ends up watching nothing, something that sounded all too familiar. Behavioral economists call this overchoice, and it can lead to status quo bias. So in a time when you can do anything and should be doing something, you end up doing nothing. The second is a more innate behavior one. It has to do with how we react to stressful environments like the VUCA world. Many times we know the right thing we have to do, but under stress we do something completely different. For example, when a stock is collapsing, we know we have to go back to fundamentals to assess whether we need to take advantage of this opportunity. But instead, we end up dumping the stock right at the bottom. The reason for this has to do with how we react to stressful situations instead of responding. Our, the reactions that kept us alive in the savannas of Africa 300,000 years ago are not going to help us when we're operating in the financial markets of today. And actually, this is what's going to stop us from going back to doing fundamental analysis. You see, when you're in a stressful environment, what your body will instinctively do is take the energy and transfer it to the muscles that would, have, uh, that would help you escape from the lions that were chasing us. To do that, you stop wasting energy on things like digestion, reproduction, uh, growth, and more importantly, cognition. So there is limited resources going to the part of the brain that will be doing fundamental analysis. You see, the problem is that the same reaction that we would have when our physical survival is under threat, we have the same reaction when we are under psychological strain. And this strain comes when there are threats to our values, which is what is important and core to our identity, threats to our self-esteem, which is how we view and evaluate ourselves, and threats to our goals, whether these are career or financial goals. So we might have a game plan on how we will be responding with our analytical brain, but in a VUCA world, we end up reacting with our primitive instincts. One of the best books I have read on this topic is in the finest book. It's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by neuroscientist and biologist Ropel Sapolsky. He believes that the reaction to stress that we have today is not geared for the psychological strains. Basically, animals like zebras only go undergo episodic stress. 
For example, when they need to run away from lions, but for humans, stress is chronic. We worry about many things, and in a VUCA world, the list grows exponentially. But it is possible to override your instinctive reaction and move to a more reasoned response. I'll give you a simple hack that my team and I have been using for decades to override our instinct, something that is critical when you're investing in volatile emerging markets. When a stock is collapsing, never ask your team, why are we still in this stock? This will reinforce a, re a reaction as they are in this psychological pain, both from the losses that they are taking and also from the threat to their self-esteem from making a call wrong. Instead, ask them, if we did not own this stock, given what do we know today, would we be buying this? This allows the analyst to remove the threat that they're feeling and, and move to a position where they can imagine they don't own this position and try to think rationally whether this is an opportunity based on fundamentals that they can take advantage of or not. And a lot of the times, if they come back and say yes, then you should hold the position, not sell it. So what I'm going to argue today is that it is possible to override our instinctive response. And what will be key to navigating the Vutica world will be our ability to tap into our youthful mind, something that I dare say everybody in this room has, irrespective of age. I invest in emerging markets. These are places of hope and opportunity, but they're in a permanent state of VUCA. Changes that take generations in the developed world, they're happening there in years. In the ethnographic studies I have been doing over the last 14 years, I meet with people in their homes where I try to understand how they think, how they solve problems, and the investable solutions to the problems they face. And I have gone back to the hundreds of interviews that I've had over the years, and I try for this talk to identify who are the best navigators of VUCA and what can we learn from them. I started with a simple hypothesis that the best navigators would be the ones which had the most experience. But I was wrong. It's not about age or about past knowledge. It's more about attitude and a mental model that we can learn from. In ethnographic studies, we do multi-generational um, studies where we study the values of a parent and a child living under the same, uh, the same roof. This helps us understand when there are behavioral shifts that are happening between the generations because we can anticipate changes in consumption patterns uh, I, before that uh, they can be picked up in data on spreadsheets or even AI models. But it also allows us to see how different generations are dealing with VUCA. And I can tell you, that in most families, a, a youth trumps experience. Young people own their values and they're passionate in their activism. They seek to use empathy to understand the world 
and they're looking for clarity and options that gives them agility and adaptability in this world. So in the VUCA world of emerging markets that is continuously changing, these attitudes are much more important than any past knowledge. An example of a good navigator of the VUCA world is Ajay, who you can see on this picture, but is not the 27-year-old son, but the 55-year-old father. Ajay built his business out of nothing, a pharmaceutical distribution business. He survived a very challenging environment with unpredictably changing regulations with the doctors and pharma companies trying to squeeze the profits of these small distributors. Ajay keeps himself very physically fit because he helps him with his mental mindset. He has a very clear set of values which he uses in making decisions and they revolve around empathy, responsibility, respect, uh, trust and support for his family, his friends and his uh, clients. And he uses these values to focus and filter and make decisions quickly. When I asked Ajay how he has been successful in navigating such a tough environment, he says it is because of his youthful mindset. He behaves like somebody half his age. He continuously learns in order to relearn, taking nothing for granted. I will refer to it as a mental plus plasticity. And it's this mental plasticity that has allowed him to survive and prosper during COVID when a lot of his competitors have failed and had to shut down. One of the sources of knowledge for Ajay is actually his son, Subra. He even took Subra and brought him in his business, not because he wanted to provide financial security for his son, but because he believes that the son has a lot to teach him. And this is something we regularly see in emerging markets. We, we call it reverse nurturing, where knowledge flows Instead, from the parent to the child, it flows the other way. From the, the child is teaching the parent on how to navigate a rapidly changing environment. I now want to move to somebody else who has a youthful mindset, was thrown in a VUCA world, and look at the strategies he used to navigate it. Meet Harry, a young schoolboy, orphaned as a baby, living a relatively predictable life with his uncle and aunt in a cupboard under the stairs. Yes, his life was sometimes unpredictable because his cousin Dudley was a bit of a pain, but nothing that Harry or uh, any 12-year-old couldn't handle. Now, with his acceptance to uh, Hawker School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, he's thrown in a VUCA world. Besides owl-delivering male and mythical creatures, we have VUCA spelled out for us with Quidditch rules that are more ambiguous than cricket, uh, dark, dark wizards trying to win power, uh, fake news in the Daily Prophet, and an, a, a continuously unstable and unpredictable political environment at the Ministry of Magic that makes the, the US-China relationship seem completely predictable. Now, this VUCA world goes on VUCA on steroids once we enter the Second Wizarding War, where Harry faces of his arch enemies, Lord Voldemort. The 
forum has a framework which it believes we should use to navigate the VUCA world, which it calls the VUCA discipline. So let's take these two characters, Harry and Voldemort, and let's see how they measure up against the framework. So the, frame, the forum's framework evolves around the application of personal values in to give us the capacity to understand, ad adapt, and anticipate challenges. So at the top, you have values. Values are our personal goals. They are the guiding principles that we use to navigate our lives. They underpin our attitudes, our behaviors, and our beliefs. Think of them as the North Star that we use to navigate our life. Harry's values evolve around friendship, loyalty, courage, bravery, um, justice, equality, self-sacrifice. These are collective values caring about the world and social justice. Voldemort's values are around ambition, determination, uh, self-preservation, leadership. Now, for people who have individualistic values, Harry is woke. And for people who are, have collective values, Voldemort is a narcissistic egomaniac who would ace any Goldman Sachs interview. We tend to judge others through the filter of our own values. But actually, there is nothing wrong with either character's values per se. But the question we need to ask is, is there one set of values, collective or individualistic, better when you navigate the VUCA world? And we're going to come back to that. Understanding is about having a clear view of how the world should operate and having the continuous learning mechanism that would allow you to adjust this view. Both Harry and Voldemort have pretty clear views, but they have different visions. A world ruled by purebloods for Voldemort and versus for Harry an inclusive world is what we would call in the investment world clear investment philosophies. They're very different, but they allow them to anticipate challenges and calculate probabilities. And in a world where you have continuously new information overload, a philosophy is critical in order to filter and focus on what's important. Clarity on, on the right is about thinking in scenarios, having actionable playbooks, which you can act on in a rapidly changing environment. In investment speak, this is about having a structured investment approach. And at the bottom, agility is the ability to quickly respond to new information as it becomes available. Now, perhaps it's not surprising that both Harry and Voldemort actually measure up really well against this framework. At the end of the day, they are the leaders of the two respective sides in a war um, that would dominate the magical world and beyond. However, this is what is an insular mindset because the four, the four dimensions do not overlap. I would argue that Harry, like Ajay, has an integrated mindset where the overlap of these values, of these, of these dimensions, allow him and uh, give him an edge in navigating the VUCA world. For example, collective values allow him to collaborate with others who are on the same journey. He has a long-term partnership with his friends Ron and Hermione. They consistently rely on each other's strengths to overcome obstacles that would be insurmountable to either or to any of them. 
Um, having a philosophy that is inclusive brings diversity in his collaboration, which includes giants, elves, and even a werewolf. And this is critical in a VUCA world that none of us individually have the skills to navigate it. Voldemort is not collaborative because of his individualistic values, his narcissism, and his lack of empathy. He rules by fear, not empathy. Without empathy, we can never have trust. And trust is the foundation of very long-term collaboration. Values and clarity together give him focus and allows him to take on a more resource and skilled opponent. Having the clarity and agility gives him the capacity to adapt and thrive in unexpected circumstances. And this is how Harry takes advantage of opportunities. In contrast, Voldemort is arrogant, not adaptable. He doesn't think he needs to adapt because he believes he achieved immortality, because he took part of his soul and put them in certain objects that he thinks he can use to come back to life. He's like a fund manager that has a style tailwind who believes he's going to outperform forever. In portfolio construction, we do pre-mortems as to failure and work backwards, and if Voldemort had done that, he would have realized that all Harry had to do was destroy those objects. And he wasn't immortal after all. And finally, having understanding and agility makes him creative. And I'm not talking about you know, artistic creativity. What I'm talking is about having the courage to try things that nobody else has tried before. For example, when the, when the Ministry of Magic was refusing to accept there was a regime change, the students at Hogwarts felt vulnerable and exposed because the curriculum was not giving them the necessary skills to fight and defend themselves against the dark arts. Harry created Dumbledore's Army, a secret student organization where they taught each other the necessary skills that were not in the curriculum. This is a youthful mind solution is creative, and through collaboration, it, they are adapting to a fast-changing environment where the, everybody else is refusing to accept there has been a regime change. And I'm here telling you today that in our world, there has been a regime change. We're beyond the inflection point. And in this new regime, we need to change. We need to do this in order to capture opportunities and minimize threat. And we can do this with this youthful mindset. We need to awaken the Harry Potter that is in each one of us. And as we progress in this new world, there will be increasing pressure for us to change. We cannot be like the guy sitting, looking at Netflix and, and flipping the channels, looking at the options and doing nothing. We can overcome our status quo bias by tapping into our youthful mindset. We need the mental plasticity of Ajay, continuously and learning in order to relearn and taking nothing for granted. And with that, I want to leave you with a, with a quote from Harry Potter. When you have to make a choice and you don't make it, that is a choice in itself. <laughs>